stories brought to you by Refuge Ministries Canada. For the next half hour, your hearts will be filled with hope as you hear real-life stories from individuals that have been changed by the power of God. Enjoy the show. Welcome to Refuge Freedom Stories. I'm your host, Johnny T. And today my guest is Kerry Bass. He's the founder and CEO of Potential to Reality Consulting, LLC, a senior member of the American Society for Quality, an expert in organizational transformation and change management, with a host of other accolades, achievements, rules, and certifications to his name. Kerry, welcome to the show. Thank you, John. It's awesome to have you here, especially, you know, with that broad experience that you have in change management and transformation and all those kinds of things. Those are directly related to our own walks of faith. So tell me about those kind of aspects in your journey of faith. Well, I find that all of these pieces fit together in that walk, both vocation and avocation fit together because I think that that is part of the journey. And I've had an opportunity to do what I am called to do in each one of those areas. And so I guess I was raised in a Christian household, but early on, I, I got a little d- disgusted with the formalized church and hypocrisy of, of mm-hmm. Christians and decided I wanted nothing to do with all of that organized religion and certainly didn't want to be a minister. And uh, it's kind of funny, as we got older, I got married and my wife and I, we had children and she said, you know, I think we really need to raise our children in the church. And I said, oh, okay. And so, you know, we went back and spent time in church. Then I understood and began to mature into hearing his voice and feeling the calling of to service. And that's been the opportunities and the challenges and the joys since then. You know, we can say in our own terms, no to God, but God always seems to have other plans in mind, doesn't he? Absolutely. And, you know, part of the story is that I had decided that if God wanted me to do something, that I wanted a Damascus Road event, that I wanted him to stop and make me do it so I could say that God made me into a preacher. And and I remember he, he didn't answer. He just left me with that calling, but no direct charge to go and do it or make me do it. And it made me angry. And I remember, you know, the kids and the wife were out doing something and I was cutting the grass and in Georgia, it gets really hot. And and that made me Mm. even angrier. And (laughs) I was just mad thinking about, you know, if God really wants me to do something, he needs to just go ahead and say it. And then his voice came to me and said, you said you wanted to serve me. You see the work to be done. This is the word. Do it or don't do it. My will will be done, but you have an opportunity to serve. And so that was just dramatic to me. And the conviction of saying that who was I to think that I had to make God make me do something. It's a privilege and an honor to serve. Absolutely. Yeah. We tend to put God into boxes and we tend to think, oh, I'll make these demands that sometimes (laughs) we lose sight of who we're really talking to. Isn't it funny when you think about it, how if we believe in an all-powerful, all-present, all-knowing God, but then we're going to make him fit into our box. (laughs) Yeah, it just doesn't work that way, you know? My wife and I talk a lot about flowing in the river of God, and there's so much freedom in that, in just being able to recognize and acknowledge the God of the universe knows everything and we don't. He plans everything and we don't, or we try to and we do it really badly. And and he supplies all our needs according to his riches and glory. Like there's so many aspects of God that our finite minds just can't seem to wrap themselves around. Exactly. Exactly. 
I know that you have a big background in quality, and we talked a little bit about that prior to the interview starting. So let me ask you this. I know you're very familiar with the Six Sigma improvement methodologies, being a black belt in Six Sigma. And for people that don't know what that is, maybe you can give a very, very brief statement. And we don't need a big dissertation about it or, you know, that kind of thing. But what I wanted to ask you was, so those methodologies define, measure, analyze, improve, and control. I believe they can be relevant to an individual's faith journey. How do you see that? I do. And even though I've been involved in this work for a long time, it's taken me a while to actually buy into the full philosophy of what it is. And my master black belt coach, his name is Dr. Greg Watson. He actually is a U.S. citizen, but he lives in Finland. And he and I talked a lot about how quality is really about broader things than the itsy-bishy measurements and statistical process control and all the things that we seem to talk about when we talk about quality. Mm -hmm. And he expressed a definition of quality that really resonated with me. And his definition is quality is the persistent pursuit of goodness, tightly coupled with the relentless avoidance of badness. And it really doesn't matter what we're talking about, whether it's manufacturing, it's services, whether it's serving others. That's what I bought into. And that clicked with me because that clicked also with the calling of what we're called to do. And that is the pursuit of excellence. Amen. And that pursuit of excellence in God, you know, we all come from a place of sin. We're born with it. And yet, you know, when we get to our first initial step of faith and we place our faith in Christ and, and begin that journey, it is a journey. It's a lifelong journey. There's going to be mountains and valleys. We read about them all through the, you know, the Old and New Testament. We read about people's interactions with God and his life-changing message and what they have to do to assess themselves. So definitely, yeah, that pursuit of excellence, but it's excellence in Christ. Like we don't want to be a works-based faith. Yes. Yeah. And that, you know, I believe is fundamentally useful for me is to not try to separate out who I am. I am what God has chosen me to be. And I find the power of that, you know, the gospel of John is that for as many as chose to believe in him, he gives the power to become the children of God. And once you understand that, that gives you the beginning of a glimpse of who we are and who we will become. We will become like him. And that's what Paul talked about in, you know, in his work is that I'm continually putting down the outer man, but the inner man is growing. And I don't yet understand. I can't quite see what the end will be, but I know when it get there, I will be like him. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It says that all the old things are passed away and all things become new. And so we get a fresh start in life and we get a fresh start in our broken world that we're surrounded by. And it's exciting and it's challenging and it's not for the faint of heart. No, but that gets to be, again, the fundamental philosophy, I believe, of what these quality principles are all about. Define, measure, analyze, improve, and control is about finding where you're not measuring up to the mark and deciding what can I do to improve to get there, and then confirming that I'm moving along the way so that I am growing day by day. And what I used to be, I'm no longer that, and I'm something better. And I'm not just better by myself. That light that's in me is shining all around me, and it makes everything else that around me is better. The pursuit of excellence is never, okay, yeah, I've reached my goals, I'm good. 
No, that's just the starting point. You've met a plateau and now you got to dig deeper. You know, now you got to let God move more in your heart. And like the Bible says, the heart's desperately wicked and who can know it? You know, yes. so we can think we've laid aside, let's say, big traumatic events and all the hurts and all that kind of stuff. And we think, I made it. Well, guess what? It's just starting. Yeah, you know, and, and you mentioned that to give a brief explanation about Six Sigma without talking about a statistics course along the way. What happens if you know anything about statistics? The majority of the work is done within the first few portions, standard deviations of the curve. Six Sigma means that I'm way out to the end, 99.996. And it's really hard. It's easy to do one sigma, but yeah. six sigma is really, really difficult. And that's the portion of where we are, is that even if we know we have gotten over these big hunks in our life, the measure is perfection. And we're now way out at the end of the curve, working on those things that are difficult to be able to deal with. Yeah, it makes me think about bank tellers, for example. Bank tellers are good at spotting counterfeit money. Yes. And it's not because they know what to look for in counterfeit money. It's because they look at real money all the time. Right. Yes. And so the <laughs> imperfections, they're trained to look at real money. So the imperfections become blatantly obvious to them, yes. even if for the everyday user, we would never notice that. But because they're focused on perfection, they're focused on what is right, it's easy for them to see the difference. And I think that it's the same with us and anybody who wants to walk a life of faith, that we need to look at and focus on perfection, who is Jesus Christ. Absolutely. And that's a great analogy. I like that. I'll start using that more, <laughs> if you don't mind. <laughs> Go ahead. And, you know, like I'm a big process guy. I'm a big believer in process. And so I think that we need to take a step back as we look at the perfection of Christ, as he's laid out in the Gospels and, and everything. And when we pray, we seek God in our devotional time, whether it's big or small, it really doesn't matter. God is looking for the heart. You know, he just wants to know that we're committed to walk with him and to lay our lives down for him daily, you yes. know. So I know everybody's life is busy and there's times even in my day where my day starts before I can even get my prayer time in or whatever, but God knows my heart. And so I believe that as we seek him, it's important for us to kind of lay out that process map. We're starting here and the end point is obviously going to be heaven, but the end point before that is to mature in Christ Yes, and, and to become like him. So we need to look at where's the barriers, where's the decision points, you know, we can, we can look back over our past life or even, you know, our past life with Christ and say, okay, look at these decision boxes. Did I take the yes? Did I take the no? And what happened? You know, and, and kind of analyze it that way. And I, I think to me, that's, you know, something that I can I can visualize very easily. I agree with that. And you're probably really familiar with the theory of constraint, yes. uh, which means that the flow through anything, and it's a, in, the, in the case of processes, the flow through a process will only go as fast as the smallest choke point. And so that's what this life is, widening the choke point to be able to get the flow of our life less and less restricted, to be more in tune with perfection. And so that's what I find particularly interesting. And that's why that cyclical nature of process improvement is there, is because the first constraints may be farther up the process. And so you free that one up and you say, great, I'm all done. But then you check on the other end and you see that I'm not delivering my full potential. I, I'm not all that I can be or should be. 
So what's getting in the way? And then I need to remove that next barrier and work on removing it. Yeah. And let God work on our hearts to remove it too, because there's barriers that are in our life that there's no physical or spiritual way that we can overcome those without the help of Christ. Yes. One of the other areas, and when you mentioned that, it kind of brought to mind is that even when we are growing and have grown, sometimes God leaves physical or other barriers to our human and physical existence to ensure that we are more in tune with faith and reliance on Him. And I'm thinking in terms of Paul, my wife and I often talk about that, that his shadow even would heal people. But yet he himself had an affliction that he prayed to God three times that it would remove it. And God's final answer to him was, my grace is sufficient. That means is that you're going to have to deal with this one. I'll explain it when I see you, but <laughs> this one I'm not going to take out of the way. You have to rely on me because if everything got removed out of your life, if all the difficulties, if all the obstacles were removed, you might not believe, you might lose your understanding of it because you are connected to me. You may think that you are the source of the success and the influence and the power that you are wielding. Absolutely. Yeah. And I agree 100% with that. You know, God is very good at ensuring that we remain humble and recognize that everything comes from him. Anytime that we would want to step out and, and say, look at me, I'm the great preacher, I'm the great healer or whatever, you know, like, guess what? That's going to shut the tap immediately. <laughs> I mean, there's... There's no looking back, right? So yeah, right. God's really good at making sure that little things come up and just to make sure that we are completely and wholeheartedly dependent upon him and upon his grace every single day. He says, my my mercies are new every morning, right? And they have to be. He said that for a reason. Yes, yes. So getting back to process improvement again, I think a lot about Deming and his process improvement, plan, do, check, act. I see that as a really tangible way for people to grow in Christ. Absolutely. Would you agree with that? I would. And that plan, do, check, act cycle is really profound. First off, you need to know where you're going, because mm -hmm. if you don't know where you're going, any direction will do. But the next piece I find that's most interesting, and people really have a hard time with it, and that is the do. You can study and you can listen, you can sing and you can do all those things, but you actually have to take a movement. You have to do something to move toward the end of the process. And then it, you reflect. You have to take a moment to see where am I on the journey? Because we don't have perfect sight in our planning. And so we launch out in the direction that we think we're going to go. But we have to every once in a while look and say, am I really headed toward the target? And then you have to do that act. You have to readjust and say, I'm moving, but I'm not quite moving in the direction that I need to go. So therefore, I adjust my life and I go more toward the target of where I am, the target of the high calling of Christ. And so I believe that Deming, I don't know his personal faith journey or whatever, but I believe that is divinely inspired that these process improvement measures, and that's kind of the way I, I look at this, is that this is actually part of my ministry, is that that is meant to be an example for us to be able to see how do we live our lives, how do we help organizations and our societies be able to move forward and adjust and move better toward the targets as we learn more we should do more and do better.
Yeah, I agree. And, and, you know, like that act portion of that whole process that doesn't just stop when you reach act, it begins all over again all over because again. It's, con it's continual improvement, right? Continually growing in grace every day, continually becoming more like Christ every single day. And, and you can apply that, you know, every day, really, if yes. you wanted to. Clearly, you think that Christianity is still relevant in today's culture. So where do you see its biggest barriers and where do you see the biggest stumbling blocks for people to take that first initial step towards Christ? Well, I think it's, it's scary, particularly when you get outside of the congregation and you get outside of Sunday. It's really difficult to see how do I apply my faith to everything that I do. And I think that one of the biggest obstacles in society, and I look among particularly North America and those places in the world that have a significant Christian population, we are called on to let our light shine. And I think that's the problem is that we think we have to evangelize and change other people's minds. But what we're really charged to do is go out and let God shine in our life. And when we let our life shine the reflection of him, that will do the reflection. The Holy Spirit will do the drawing. And that, I think, is the requirement for us to be able to make a step. So what does that mean for the individual? That means don't try to convince somebody else. Just be who you are and let the Christ in you shine out in everything that you do in the job. Even if that job is sweeping the floor, you mm -hmm. do that with a joy and understanding that I am more than just a floor sweeper. I'm a child of God and I'm choosing to spend this time sweeping the floor because it will help somebody else and his light will reflect in the work that you do. You're 100% right. Like, you know, we go and we work and we do everything we do to represent Christ to the world. And I would encourage the believers, the Christian believers that are listening to us, if you're just sitting in church on a Sunday, you're messing it. You are really messing it. And it's not about coming out and telling everybody they're going to hell or whatever. It's about living out your life for Christ in a tangible, valid way that people can truly see that light shine through you. I agree with that 100%. So I, I think just doing it, and I, I got another analogy that I like to think about, and that's the story of Peter when they were in the boat, and you know they had left Jesus behind, and they looked out and, and saw Jesus walking on the water. And the miraculous thing is that Peter said, Jesus, if that's you, let me come out there to walk with you. And Jesus said, come on. And Peter walked on the water. But when he realized that he was walking on the water and he saw all the waves, he began to say, this is crazy. How can anybody walk on the water? And he began to sink. And Jesus reached and grabbed his hand and said, why did you doubt? Mm -hmm. And so that's the other measure is that when you go, don't doubt. Just understand who you are and know that it is intended for you to do what you're supposed to do. Amen. So people who want to take that first step in faith, what's the one thing that you would tell them about God? Well, again, I think it really boils down to going back to the real essence of understanding that passage of John, where it says that if you believe in him, you are a child of God. And Jesus talked about that in the, you know, in the Sermon on the Mount. He's saying, you know, the whole world knows about what's going on. And God even cares about the inanimate things that are part of his creation. How much more does he care about you? And so therefore, if you understand who you are, you can have more confidence in taking that first step because you're not taking it alone.
Yeah, that's so true. God yearns for people to come to him. He's not willing that any should perish, you know, that all should come to repentance. And yeah, there's a lot of truth in that, that people need to understand God is so much bigger than their problems, so much bigger than any baggage that they bring. You'll never surprise God by telling him about the bad things you've done in your life. He knows it all. You're yes. not going to surprise him, right? You know, so yeah, like take that step. I agree. Take that step in faith and, and see what God can do in your life. Yeah, I believe that that is the essence of it is you have to actually know in your heart that you are changed and that you are a child of God. I don't quite know what that means. I may be a babe. I don't have the faith of, you know, of many of these other people, but I I, I know who I am right now. And so I'm going to take that first step and I'm going to let my light shine. Amen. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. It's been a pleasure talking to you about all these quality topics. And <laughs> you know, from a Christian perspective, I'm just glowing in that. And so thanks again for being here. And it's great. Well, Johnny, thank you again. And I appreciate you giving me the opportunity to spread the word and be a participant in your ministry too. So if somebody wants to get a hold of you, where would they go? My website is makingitreality.com. And you can email me at info at makingitreality.com. And I'd be more than happy to interact with you. If you'd like to talk about business, if you'd like to talk about quality, or even if you just want to talk about faith, I'd be happy to have conversation with you. Awesome. Thanks so much for being here. Thank you, Johnny.
I hope that you have enjoyed the last half hour as much as I did. Thank you again to Refuge Ministries Canada for hosting the show. So until next Friday, may God richly bless you with peace, love, and happiness. We at Refuge Ministries are so blessed by the success of Refuge Freedom Stories and podcasts. In addition, we focus on youth prison ministry, release kits, and many other diverse outreaches to the needs of our community. As a nonprofit, there are many costs involved, however, and we are asking for your support. Financial gifts can be made via our website at www.refugeministriescanada.com or by calling 519-701-0108. Your giving makes this work possible, and we thank you in advance for your support. That's 519-701-0108. God bless you.